0: well as I mentioned at the beginning of service this is the beginning of Advent now some of you might have grown up in churches that celebrated Advent and so this might be really familiar in fact it might even be bringing you back to some childhood memories And for some of you, you've never heard this word Advent before, and and we get to introduce you to something rich in church Christian history. Um, So to start us off, to explain a little bit about what Advent is, I'm going to pass this over to Pastor Kong. What is
1: Advent? Advent is the season of the year leading up to Christmas that is observed among many Christian traditions and denominations. The Advent season begins on the nearest Sunday to November 30th and lasts four weeks before Christmas Eve. The word Advent itself means arrival and when we celebrate Advent, we are celebrating two things jesus's first arrival when he was born on earth and the anticipation of his second arrival first we celebrate jesus's birth on earth that happened thousands of years ago when he was conceived by the power of the holy spirit and born of the virgin mary second we also celebrate and anticipate jesus's return which is his second arrival We spend time preparing our hearts for Christmas and for the eventual return of Jesus to complete his plan of making all the wrongs right by redeeming and restoring everyone and everything. Advent is also a time that reflects God's people at the end of the Old Testament. They were in exile, waiting and hoping in prayerful consideration and expectation for someone to save them. In their exile, God's people looked back to when God led them out of slavery in Egypt, and on that basis, they called for God once again to act for them. In a similar way, we, the church, during Advent, look back upon Jesus' birth in celebration while at the same time looking forward in eager anticipation to the coming of Jesus and his kingdom when he returns for us. This year, we are planning to explore some of the major Advent themes such as hope, joy, and peace. These themes will lead us to focus on Jesus. So, I welcome you to join us in the season of Advent. Let's prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of Jesus and also anticipate his return.
0: Powerful word. An abundance of it can lead to joy. A lack of it leads to, to despair. But you know we can mess up hope. You see we often confuse the word hope with what's really wishful thinking. I hope I get a bonus this Christmas or I sure hope it gets back to normal soon. Or, I hope they don't make a sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog, because that thing was just terrible. See, all of those are just wishful thinking. But Christian hope is different. Christian hope is different. You see, hope in the Bible is a secure assurance. It's a trust placed in a trustworthy God. You see, Christian hope isn't placed in an event or a possibility. It's placed in the person and character of God. Now, to help us understand this, uh, next up, here's a video from the Bible Project talking about some of the words the Bible
2: uses for hope. So let's say you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the ark, as the flood waters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava. The feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and kava's for good grapes. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kavah and yachal for morning dew to give moisture to the land. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting or expectation, but waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the nation was sinking into self-destruction, Isaiah said, at this moment, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will kavah for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope for God himself. You find the same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms, where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kavah for the Lord. Let Israel yachal for the Lord, because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism is about choosing to see in any situation how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there's no evidence things will get better but you choose hope anyway. Like the prophet Hosea, he lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires and he chose hope. When he said God could turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope, Israel came up from the land of Egypt. God had surprised his people with Redemption back in the days of the Exodus, and he could do so again. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I cava for? You are my Yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope and they used the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope that people can be reborn to become new and different kinds of humans. So, Christian hope is bold, waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it is crazy, and maybe it is, but biblical hope is not optimism based on the odds. It is a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that is as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward, and so we wait. That is what the biblical words for hope are all about.
0: Well, as Pastor Kong mentioned earlier, the hope of Advent is in two things. The first being the past birth of Jesus, the Messiah in Bethlehem. And the second is the future return of Jesus to restore all things and renew all things. So what does hope in Christ look like, feel like? Well, we have an opportunity this year to understand this better than any other Christmas in our lives. See, that's because that there's one thing that we're all hoping for. There's one thing that we're all trusting will solve our problems and that's a vaccine. I cannot, I cannot think of another time in our lives where so much collective hope is focused in on one thing. More than who's gonna be the next president, more than will there be another stimulus check. So much of our collective hope globally is on a vaccine. See, we're all putting our COVID hope in a vaccine. Then, church can return to normal. Then, we can travel again. Then, we can throw big parties again. But until then, we have to wait. Now, imagine if you looked at the return of Christ the same way. What if we put all of our hope on that one event? What if that became the thing that we all longed for? that we dreamed for, that we planned for. Now listen to this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German pastor, theologian, and anti-Nazi dissident. See, he wrote this in a letter from prison where he was eventually executed for participating in a plot to assassinate Hitler. So here's what he wrote. Life in a prison cell may well be compared to Advent. One waits, hopes, and does this, that, or the other. Things that are of no real consequence. The door is shut and can be opened only from the outside. Isn't that what it feels like right now? Isn't that what it feels like right now with COVID? We do this and that. Okay. We wear our masks. We stay at home. But mostly, we wait. And the same goes for the Christian life. We do this and that. We love our neighbors, show oh, mercy, forgive others. Mostly, we wait. That's what the season of Advent is all about. It's waiting and hoping. It's a small waiting and hoping that trains us and prepares us for the big waiting and hoping. And why is this so important? Because what we hope for shapes what we live for. Let me say that again. What we hope for shapes what we live for. So make sure you're hoping for the right thing. So what are we hoping for in this Advent season? Well, here's Pastor Kong with today's scripture reading to answer this question.
1: Our scripture reading today comes from Isaiah chapter nine, verses two, six through seven. This is what it says. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
3: We're gonna take a moment to meditate, to meditate on the scripture that was just read, to take time to really concentrate and focus on God's word and allow it to infiltrate our mind but also to to find ourselves in the word of god so what we will do is that i will uh, guide you through some imagery as well as read the verses over um, so that you can hear it again and again and let it really sink into your heart and your mind if it's helpful for you wherever you are right now You can close your eyes and just let these words wash over you. Isaiah 9 verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned, for to us a child is born. As you think about these verses that I've just read, who are the people? Who are the people walking in darkness? What does that darkness feel like? Are you someone who is walking in the dark? People walking in darkness have seen, not will see, but have seen. It is already here, it is already happening. Picture the darkness and a great light piercing it, not a small light. Not just a light, but a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. Again, who are these people living in this land? Not just a land of darkness, but of deep darkness, it is upon these people who have experienced So much gloom, so great and deep darkness, a light has dawned, it has dawned, it is rising, it is bursting forth, it is announcing a new day, a bright day. reason why this light has come for to us, to us who walk in darkness, to us who live in a land of deep darkness, to us a child is born, to us a child is born. What does it mean for you that a child, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is born for us, for you? How has the light penetrated your darkness? The light bringing hope and warmth, and now you can see how to walk, and now you can see how to live. For to us, a child is born.
0: For to us. For to you, a child is born
2: and to that we say, thank you, God.